Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. class for A Course in Miracles, our first for the year 2016. Loyal listeners of the program are familiar with my co-host for these segments, Robert Rosenthal, MD, but if you're new to the show, I'll tell you a little bit about what we do here. A Course in Miracles is published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. Dr. Bob has served on the board of directors of the foundation since 1992. He was a close personal friend of Bill Thetford, Ph.D., co-scribe of the course, and has been familiar with its teaching since before it was published. In addition, he's a board-certified psychiatrist in private practice near Princeton, New Jersey, and he's the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit. The book interprets the biblical story of Exodus and demonstrates the ego's perception of life's conditions. Today, we'll discuss the reality of form. We all have a level of understanding that the world is an illusion, but what does this really mean? So today we'll discuss in depth the concepts outlined in Lesson 132, which states, I loose the world from all I thought it was. If you would like to connect with us, visit Dr. Bob's website at fromplaguestomiracles.com. You can read excerpts of his book and also profound this prof- I'm sorry, purchase this profound addition to your spiritual library. If you'd like to learn more about and purchase A Course in Miracles, Continue to tune into our weekly, our monthly virtual classes, but also visit acim.org. You can find us on Facebook at From Plagues to Miracles and Spiritual Insights Radio. And if you'd like to hear other episodes with us, review the archives at spiritualinsightsradio.com. Well, please join me in welcoming my wonderful co-host back to the show. Hi, Dr. Bob. How are you? Hey, Char. I'm doing just fine, thank you. Uh, we've had a little bit of a break here uh, mm-hmm. from our usual monthly routine, but I think we're now back on track, at least for the next few months. I so, so for any uh, you know live listeners who were wondering, um, you know, yeah, we'll, we look good for January, February, and March at sure. least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The last half of 2015 was a bit challenging. I. I was having a tough time, you know, family situation, health issues. But uh, it's settling out. It's smoothing out slowly but surely, and I feel great, and I'm really excited about what's coming this year. I really am excited about change and the future. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think that's something we all can look forward to because, as the Course says, in this world of form, the one thing that's constant is change. Exactly. (laughs) And that's part of what we're going to talk about. So would you like to uh, make any announcements, or do you have anything you'd like to share before we begin? Um, you know, if if uh, you are a, a listener living in the uh, greater New York City area or Philadelphia area, I will be giving um, a workshop at the Unity Spiritual Center in Pattenburg or Asbury, New Jersey, on what is the self and what is relationship on February 7th. I'll also be delivering the morning the morning message that day, uh, which should be fun. I'm calling it Cupid and the Groundhog, Romantic Love and Hiding from the Light. Um, and we'll be uh, drawing together Valentine's Day and uh, Groundhog Day uh, to see what they say at the deeper spiritual levels. So, um, yes, if you're local, please uh, come up and join us. Uh, I will be posting at least the message, not the workshop, on my website after it's delivered. So if you're curious about Cupid and Groundhogs, check in uh, a month from uh, February. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's up. Uh, coming. I also did a Skype interview with 
Jackie Laura Jones on her show, The 24th Hour for Christmas, where I shared a bit about my kind of journey into A Course in Miracles. I, Because it, as Char said, it hadn't been published in hardback yet. It had been Xeroxed in, you know, series of 100 paperback books. But uh, the course kind of came to me in some very interesting uh, ways that, you know, that shook me and got my attention in a way that I couldn't say no. And I talk about a lot of those and tell the stories um, in that interview. So that should be available on the website of the 24th hour. Um, and uh, we were joined at that by uh, Cindy Laura Renard, uh, Gary Renard's wife. So it was, it was a very lovely get together. In virtual get together. <laughs> yes, that sounds nice. That sounds great. I want to check that out. Yeah, please do. Um, I, okay. I'm told it's good. I actually haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, which gives you a sense of just how busy, crazy, busy my life has been. Um, but, uh, yeah, the topic for today, we called it There Is No World! Exclamation point, which is a direct quote from Lesson 132 uh, in Paragraph 6. And mm-hmm. I think perhaps the most emphatic place in A Course in Miracles where it says this although it's a message that's delivered throughout the text and the workbook. But I'd like to um, maybe first share a little bit about why this has come up and um, then talk a little bit about uh, my own journey with it and why I think it's so important. So um, that said, uh, I, I tend to pay attention when the universe throws something at me from more than one direction. You know, I I call it spiritual triangulation. Someone says, oh, you should check out this book. I don't know. You know, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. But if I then see an ad for that book or it comes up somewhere else, all right, now I'm paying attention. Um, So the idea, perhaps the world may have some real reality to it, came up in a number of different venues. Um, first, I had written a, uh, a review on Amazon for another spiritual system called a, a Course of Love that a lot of Course in Miracles students have been very drawn to and pointed out in that review some of what I see as the very significant differences between the two um, spiritual systems that don't invalidate A Course of Love at all, but rather do make clear that it's not uh, as it builds itself a simple continuation of A Course in Miracles. Um, I I, I think that's a pretty unsupportable claim. But in writing that, um, I had some back and forth with a number of students of A Course of Love where we were talking about exactly this issue. Is the world really real? Is it part of God's creation or is it not? Then, in our local Course in Miracles group, um, one week where I wasn't there, I heard from a couple of people in the group that one of the longtime veteran members had actually suggested, you know, there must be something to the world, um, which really shocked a few people. And I thought, okay, I think the time is ripe to begin uh, to, to do a show on this. And I think I will also, over the next coming months, write something up for the Miracle Distribution Center's newsletter, The Holy Encounter, because I think it is just such a uh, an important topic, but one that is so difficult for us to understand and absorb and take in. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit, I myself, in the early 90s, so that would be with 15 years on and off of Course in Miracles experience under my belt, mm-hmm. having gone through the workbook already multiple times and read the text at least twice um, and probably more, uh, still would have said, yeah, the Course says this, but there's another way to look at it, and, and, and there is a value to the physical world, to the material world. Um, I, I heard that, there, uh, that it, it's the idea that somehow God extends God's self, itself, and God gets to know God better by incarnating in this physical form that allows us to learn life lessons and perhaps ultimately to return to God, but in doing that, we, we add to God's fullness, that the Creator can't really know who he, she, it is fully on, on its own uh, and requires this 
this sort of sojourn through physicality to gain greater knowledge of its being. Um, this is a philosophy that I learned from a book by a guy named Rabbi Rami, a uh, lovely book on, on God, what is God. It's a philosophy called panentheism. Not pantheism, which posits you know, many different gods, but panentheism. And, uh, and it says just that, that you know, the world is a place we come to uh, that has valuable lessons for us to learn. Before A Course in Miracles, I was a student of the Seth teachings, uh-huh. And uh, far more recently than that, I was a student of the uh, Abraham Hicks channel, which is kind of an upgrade of the Seth teachings, you know, a much more fluent and humorous channel. Um, uh-huh. And these spiritual systems very much portray that idea of, you know, you are a soul that comes into physicality and learns lessons and becomes in the process more creative, certainly more loving. Um, more advanced in understanding how physicality works, um, and that therefore there is not, there is value to the world and to the physical experience, and um, sense that the world, even though you make it with your beliefs, seems to have some sort of a, a reality of its own um, that God created the world. Now, of course, we all start from this premise. One of my old religious studies teachers used to say that Western religions start with the question, what is the world? Whereas Eastern religions start with the question, what is the self? And therefore, Eastern religions are much more akin to works like A Course in Miracles because they're looking at, who am I? What's the mind? Um, You know, the Course says the one thing that everyone must answer is ultimately, who am I? But in Western religion and in the Western world in general, we start with this different question, what is the world, which notice immediately starts us out with the premise that the world is something real. What is it? We're in it. We're living in it. What's our relationship with it? If God made the world and we're part of the world, then God made us. But then, gee, God must have made death and evil and all of this you know, not terribly pleasant stuff. And why would God do that? How do we explain that? And uh, and we start our heads start spinning, and you know, scholars, Western scholars, Christian, Jewish, Islamic, have wrestled with these questions for for you know millennia. So, I want to look at this idea today because I think it it is so important. Is the world complete illusion? If so, what does that mean, and what is our relationship to it? Is there something real out there? Um, can it be both and? Is it completely, you know, uh, illusionary? And, uh, and and it's a, you know, please feel free to call in with questions if you're listening live. Um, Shar, if you have something you want to add, you know, stop me. Because this is a very complex question, given that we all are born into a body in this world and grow up fully believing that it is completely real, and for most of us, believing that we are at its mercy, um, we are the victim of the world we see, and Mm -hmm. only gradually coming to the realization that, huh, maybe the world really has a relationship with us that's much um, much closer, much more of a dance, and that our beliefs actually do influence, if not out and out, make for the world we see. So back to Course in Miracles. I I think the Course is pretty unambiguous, as Lesson 132 um, goes into, that that there is no world. The world is an illusion that we find ourselves in. Um, You know, some other places that the Course talks about uh, the world, you know, Lesson 155, the world is an illusion. Those who choose to come to it are seeking for a place where they can be illusions and avoid their own reality. Lesson 240, not one thing in this world is true. It does not matter what the form in which it may appear. It witnesses but to your own illusions of yourself. Lesson 166, this world is not the will of God, and so it is not real. Yet those who think it real must still believe there is another will. Um, clear, um In the text, in uh, chapter 8, section 6, you cannot behold the world and know God. Only one is true. That is, either the world is true or God is true. I am come to tell you that the choice of which is true is not yours to make. And yet, here we are. 
So how do we resolve this dilemma? And the answer lies um, in a point that Ken Wapnick used to emphasize over and over, and that is the Course speaks to us at two different levels. Um, at the level of reality with a capital R, there absolutely can't be any world because there's only oneness. There's only the oneness that is God, that is love. That is the only reality. There can't be divisions or splits or differences or shades of gray, not 50 and not 50,000, within the reality that is the oneness of God, of spirit, and in which you and I are not just contained, but of which we are part of that oneness. You know, if you read the descriptions of the mystics, they will often proclaim, I am God. I am the same as God, which doesn't make sense to those of us living within, you know, physical bodies uh, here on planet Earth. So at that big level, there's only oneness, and that's what is meant by a non-dual spiritual system. It's non-dual because there's only the one, um, and the fact that we perceive a world that seems to be not of God or separate from God, that, that becomes, an, it has to be illusion in order to, to allow oneness to remain one. There is another non-dual system, um, and that is materialism or atheism. That would also say there's only one thing that's real, but that would say only the world is real. There is no God. There is nothing spiritual. You are a body. You are a brain within that body. And all of the phenomenon, the psychic phenomenon, the coincidences and synchronicities and miracles that you think you believe are just phenomenon and epiphenomena, phenomena and epiphenomena, byproducts of that brain uh, and its need to see meaning and uh, and impose meaning on a random, meaningless world. So yeah. that is also a non-dual philosophy. Sorry, go ahead. No, I think that was great. <laughs> I, let's type that up and put it somewhere. That was great. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so those are the two non-dual philosophies. There can't be anything else, because as the Course says, either you see one or you see the other. Um, now, when that quote says, you cannot behold the world and know God, only one is true, it goes on to say, I am come to tell you that the choice of which is true is not yours to make. So if you choose to see the world as real and that God isn't there, you are still locked in illusion because God is real. God is fact. It's funny, just as I said that, the sun came out here and the whole outdoors just lit up. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you, Spirit. I love when that happens. Mm -hmm. So how do we deal with this dilemma we're in? Well, the Course also addresses us, of course, at the level of our beings here in a world that strikes us as real, in a universe that certainly seems to be very physical and which confronts us with multiple choices every day. How cold is it? What should I wear? What should I get for lunch? Should I call this person today or tomorrow? I wonder if, you know, I mean, on and on and on. And I think some people try to resolve it by this, this, um, this interpretation of panentheism. That is to say, God did create the world, and he created us to be in the world, and that somehow there is something ennobling about the world. Whereas A Course in Miracles would say the only ennobling thing about the world is that as you learn to release it, as Lesson 132 says, to loose it, um, to unbind its chains from you, you get to experience more and more the world reinterpreted through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, um, or, or not Obviously, Holy Spirit doesn't have eyes through the, let's call it the lens of Holy Spirit. And when you do that, you begin to shift to a very different vision, which is Christ's vision. Um, Christ being the one Son of God who is no different than God, except that God is creator and Son of God, um, offspring of God, is, is created. Um, but they're exactly the same in substance. I actually think the, the best analogy we have in the physical world is an amoeba that extrudes part of itself, um, and genetically it's exactly the same, but that new self is also the amoeba. And uh, I'm not saying that God's an amoeba. It's, it's just a, a way of understanding the idea that the extension of love energy is still love. Um, you know, somewhere in the Course it says, you know, that where God ends and the sun begins there, there, there is nothing there is no place where that happens uh -huh. they're one in the same 
Um, but so here we are, and if we find value in the world in some way, whether that's you know prestige, money, uh, romantic relationships, writing the great American novel, climbing Mount Everest, you name it, or even the idea that we are on a, a special spiritual journey and that we are going to, through that journey, um, experience wonders. We've chosen to lose ourselves in a world of form rather than, than unblock the barriers that exist in our mind that the ego erects to that oneness. But this gets very, very tricky because, as the Course points out, you know, um, we we unblock those those obstacles we unblock ourselves from those obstacles and then eventually we find ourselves in what the course calls the real world so you know what the heck is this and how does this work all right the world's an illusion nothing here is real but then somehow there becomes this real world and from the real world we're one step from god and we're close enough that god can then you know reach out and take that last step and return us to you know god's self so, again, within the world of form, um, we could say that there is gradual, incremental, stepwise progress towards oneness, even though, flip it the other side, from oneness's perspective, either you're there or you're not. And further, the Course will tell us that we are there because there's only oneness. Nobody can really know anything except the oneness of God and love. Therefore, it's it's not gone. It's not absent. We're we're squeezing our eyes shut. We've hidden ourselves from the light, and we're staring at this very seemingly compelling, um, you know, 3D picture show of all these things going on in order to keep us from the light. But as you commit to a spiritual path, as you unbind your mind from what the world seems to have to offer and cultivate instead the desire you know, to proceed with love, but most of all to recognize in your brother the oneness, you know, to recognize in other people the oneness that is also you, then you're healing that split. You're no longer – and this is the problem with the panentheistic approach is that it tends to pull people into a place of I am an individual being on my own you know, hero's journey, um, and that there, there, there's a divide there that becomes a great risk. Now, if, on the other hand, you conceptualize that hero's journey as the journey of enlightenment, as the journey of recognizing illusion – as the journey of realizing that um, your brothers are no different than you and that we are all bound together in love, well, guess what? Then that journey will take you back to oneness. And as I said, this is why it, it, it's so confoundingly complicated. Uh-huh. So even the Course itself says, God, you know, on the one hand it says there is no world, but then, um, you know, there are other places where it says, you know, truth is not absent here, but it is obscure why isn't it absent? Because you can't suppress the truth. Truth is there. We can blind ourselves to it. We can turn away, but we can always choose to let it in to whatever extent we can without producing fear. And we all, I would maintain that even the most you know, heinous serial killer somewhere in their life has had an experience of love because love is, is real. You know, the ego cannot block love. Uh, mm-hmm. it, can, it can distract us with other goals. Uh, it can dazzle us with things we think we want. But it, it can dress love up in other guises, like romantic love, you know, Cupid's arrow. But it can't extinguish love. Nor can the ego really change time, because the greatest, you know, um, illusion that we all live within is the illusion of time. This idea that oh, yeah, I remember the past. You know, I know what I did an hour ago, and I, you know, when I have plans for the future, I know where I'll be an hour hence, and yet we're always living in the present moment, and, you know, the present is always the same. So if you look at it that way, within any single present moment, there can't be former illusion. Now, let me go one more place, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to, you know, I'll, I'll pause and see if I'm making any sense here at all. Uh Um, And that is, 
the idea of perception itself. The world we see is a world of perception. We perceive it. We see, hear, feel, taste, um, you know, and smell it. Um, in that sense, how do we know anything out there is real? It's the old problem of, you know, when I see the color green, you can say, yeah, that's green. But how do we know we're having the same experience of the color green? Nobody knows. I mean, this is one of those, you know, brain-mind uh, dilemmas that, 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 you know, people have wrestled with. Um, it's called solipsism, the idea that we each live in our own perceptual world of necessity and that we all seem to agree on things, but, you know, we can never ultimately know whether anyone's ideas are the same as ours um, or not. So what the Course would say is that the world of perception is a world defined by separation and separation from God. Um, in the section, The Substitute Reality, that starts Chapter 18, it has this lovely description of, you know, that there was this original split, and then it immediately split again and fractured and fractured and fractured until even the original split was unrecognizable. Well, perception is part of that world. You know, as, as, as a psychiatrist who studied the mind and the brain and, and, and the mechanisms of perception, you know, what we think we see is just the result of, you know, even looking at materialistically of light impulses hitting cells in the retina, which are um, keyed to tell us by which ones are hit in which order, you know, oh, there's motion there, there's contrast there. Um, mm -hmm. And it's only through experience that we learn to put these together and actually go, ah, there's a tree. Oh, there's the face of my mother. Oh, there's the face of that kid in school who bullies me. So in that sense, there is no perception without the past. I'll say that again. There is no perception without the past. You can't perceive without having some template, some scaffolding upon which to stretch your percepts and make sense of them. And if we only live in the present, then what is perception really founded on? You know, I mean, if you really think of it, there is no past, so what am I really seeing? And this is where all of the early lessons in the workbook are just so profound and so difficult. You know, I see nothing as it is now, uh, you know, a meaningless world. Um, you know, I, I see, uh, you know, only a meaningless world. I mean, you know, it's like the first 20 lessons, I think 15 of these deal with what we see and the thoughts in our head which reflect mm -hmm. that. And that's why the Course goes after those right away. It's trying to, um, in a sense, jump right in to the heart of our, our, our sense of the world and our sense of self within the world and just give that a little bit of a, a, a shake-up and go, yeah, you think it's this, but it's not. So our very perceptions um, are based on you know, this idea of separation. Within oneness, there's nothing to perceive. There are no differences. You know, the Course talks about heaven being um, changeless and, um, you know, forever extending, but forever what it is. That's a, that's a concept that's impossible for those of us still in bodies to understand. Um, there are mystical experiences that can, you know, let you have a, a you know, sort of a, a taste of that. Um, but, you know, you come back here to teach it, and therefore it, it, it's, it's not the, you know, it's knowledge that is unavailable to us. But what we do get here are miracles. And so the Course tells us that, um, that, that miracles are, are the manifestation of using the Holy Spirit's reinterpretation lens on physical reality. So is Christ's vision. Um, but what does the miracle do? Well, the miracle tells us that the laws we think we operate under actually aren't true. Going all the way back to um, Helen Shuckman and Bill Thetford, the Course's scribes, and you know Bill's original plea to Helen, there must be another way. Well, miracles demonstrate in a very concrete form that other way. Um, they let us know when we behold them that, huh, the world doesn't just function in terms of perception and cause and effect. Um, things happen that there is no way to explain when we are open to that level of consciousness. 
And as we embody that more and more, we can begin to loose the world without fear. When it says, I, I loose the world, or, you know, um, I think somewhere in the lesson it says, you know, release, we, we want to release the world. It, it's not release the world like, oh, it wants to be free, so let it go. It's we have this death grip on the world, quite literally, mm -hmm. because if we mm -hmm. believe in it, we're going to die. Um, and it's saying, release it. You know, it, it, it's like you're walking around with this magical amulet in your pocket and you think that if you have it, all's going to go well. No, let it go. Until you let it go, you're not going to, you know, know that it has no power and that it was all just magic. We all have magic that we believe in based on our past experience. Uh, I learned that, you know, if I tap my bat three times, um, I got a bunch of home runs there. And then we watch, you know, major league batters going through all of these ritual dances at the plate. Um, you know, I talked about this in From Plagues to Miracles, too, in, in, in you know, in, in, in Chapter 7, the, all of the forms of magic that, the, uh, that Pharaoh's magicians will engage in to try to mimic the miracles of God. So we do all of this for protection because the world feels like a very dangerous place. And here's where the value of systems like A Course of Love or Seth or Abraham come in. To the extent that they tell us, you don't have to be afraid of the world. The world follows your thoughts and your, your feelings. And that if you change the inner world by deciding to be happier, by deciding to forgive and see people um, as, as brothers and sisters, um, that to the extent you do that, it's a less fearful place. Things that you think you need start popping up. Although at some point, the things you think you need stop popping up so that you can learn that you actually didn't need them as much as you thought you did. Um, and, and so it's a gentle glide path that at some point that allows us to go, you know what, I, I really don't need this world at all. The only reason I am here is to, to communicate and teach. Um, of course, in Miracle says the only use of the body in the Holy Spirit's view is as a means, a mechanism of communication. That is to say, yeah, we communicate with other bodies through our body, um, but the body itself is completely neutral. You know, lesson 194, I think it is, my body is a wholly neutral thing, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Um, so when we get to a certain point, we realize, you know, all those things we thought we were going to manifest in the world, I mean, I was, you know, watching the news last night, and um, we just had uh, the highest lottery, um, you know, jackpot in history, standing at 1.5 billion, and all of these people lining up at lottery counters. I must admit, even I had the thought, you know, I should go get myself a ticket. Um, but ultimately, I didn't, because I thought to myself, yeah, and so if I had $1.5 billion, how would that change my life? And I came to the conclusion it would make things infinitely more complicated and only get in the way of my ability to communicate, because now everyone would look at me and see me as special and, and no longer listen to what I had to say, or listen to what I had to say, but say, oh, yeah, you know, we're listening because he's special. He's that guy who, you know, won the lottery. Mm. No, we all have these forms of magic that we think will work, and, and in order to combat fear, Holy Spirit may, in fact, first take us through one of these alternate spiritual paths that teach us it is okay to want things in the world for now. It is okay to discover that your terror of running out of money or running out of love can be fully met without your having to control it to the nth degree. But as we learn these things, there does come a certain jumping off point where you can't have it both ways. And either you do think the world is real and part of God's creation just like you, and, um, and that you know, you're, you're going on this marvelous spiritual journey that is distinct, different from everybody else, even though you know, everybody else should do the same thing, or you recognize that there's only oneness and, and you want to take the step back to oneness. I believe it's inevitable that everyone gets to that place. In the lesson we're talking about, 132, and I'm going to read this quote, you know, right after it says there is no world, it says, this is the central thought the Course attempts to teach. 
And then it goes on to say, not everyone is ready to accept it, and each one must go as far as he can let himself be led along the road to truth. So that's our job, to go as far as we can. If we go too far and get scared, that doesn't help. We relapse. We wind up relying back. Uh, we, we, we rely on magic again because we got scared. So we want to go as far as we can. And then the paragraph winds up, he must, each one must go as far as he can let himself be led along the road to truth. He will return and go still farther or perhaps step back a while and then return again. So what I did in the 1990s um, when I actually wrote an entire chapter of a novel that, that I have published under a pseudonym, a metaphysical novel about um, masters out on the astral plane um, called Master's Journey. Uh, I wrote this whole section that, that was complete panentheism, and I fully believed it at the time, even though I would have told you that I was absolutely a Course in Miracles student and that the Course was the cornerstone of my, my spiritual belief system. Um, Today, obviously, I find that completely incompatible, but I did need that at the time. It helped me. Mm -hmm. I think without it, I wouldn't have been where I am today. And so I would say to all listeners, if you come upon something that really calls to you, even if it isn't sort of um, pure uh, – strict doctrine, Course in Miracles, that's absolutely okay. If it's calling to you, follow it. Trust that you'll come back at some point. Um, it might be 10 years. It might be two months. It, it, it doesn't really matter. You have to follow the path that's before you. And I think for many of us, that, that stark notion that there's only oneness uh, and we're a part of it is surely terrifying. In From Plagues to Miracles, this was the Mount Sinai chapter um, that looks at the section of Exodus where the Hebrew people, that is us, are brought to Mount Sinai by Moses, but they're totally unprepared for it. They haven't appreciated the miracles that have come their way with the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. They think that Moses did it for them. They don't realize that Moses is them, that, that Moses is one of them, and that they have that same ability. And therefore, when they come to the encounter with God, I mean, you know, to say they're freaked out is an understatement. They turn away in terror, and they look to Moses as if Moses was a god, and the whole journey reverses course, and, you know, and then there's another, you know, 40 years of, uh, you know, wandering in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's okay to go on different pathways. There is, you know, the course itself says there are many different paths out there. It's it's one among thousands. Um and some of those paths aren't even going to look like A Course in Miracles because they aren't meant to do all the way from point A to point Z. You know, you can get from uh, New York to San Francisco with a direct flight, but you can also hop in your car and, you know, drive to Pittsburgh and then maybe drive down to Nashville and then, you know, uh -huh. up to St. Louis. You can do it in stages, and that will also ultimately get you to San Francisco. And the one thing that the Course is very clear on is we all get there in the end. You know why? Because there is no end. The end is the beginning. It's all already happened. Time is unitary. There's only the present moment. We are all already at the end. The separation never even happened in that regard. Um, you know, the whole Big Bang is a bubble of time that sprang up instantly, and because we put our belief in it, it appears to be real to those of us living within the bubble of time, but it never had any reality. So you can take your time to get there. That's what time is for. But we are students of A Course in Miracles, and the purpose of the miracle is to save time. Um, I think the Course says, you know, each miracle can save a thousand years of time, as the world puts it. Um, that's quite considerable, um, although it also tells you just how... Um, you know how early in the journey we are if every miracle is saving thousands of ye a thousand years and here we are working and you know, allowing miracles to come through yeah it says the world's gotten very old i mean the impression is that there are millions of years to sort of slog through but the miracle is to save time and therefore as we allow these to come through we also can 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 
can gradually save time on our own journey. And rather than having to take, you know, 5,000 lifetimes uh, if you subscribe to uh, reincarnation, which I find a comfortable belief system, uh, you get through sooner. You put yourself under the laws of grace rather than the laws of karma. Um, and Grace says, there's nothing here that can bind you or trap you when you recognize your oneness and you recognize it in the face of everyone else, that you're not looking only in the mirror. You're realizing that looking out into the world is looking into a mirror. Um, okay, let's see. Mm, yeah, mm, I've mm. talked quite a while here. Um, so let that me um, step back. Yeah. That was, that was terrific. I just, all I need to do, Dr. Bob, is kind of go back a little bit and kind of stick my finger in between a couple sentences and insert myself in there and just add a few thoughts. But I, that was very concise and thorough. It was really Thank great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I'd love, you know, yes, absolutely. Get in the, uh, the, the niches there, the interstices, and, uh, you know, let's help, uh, you know, make this even clearer for people. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I normally do is just kind of um, add some mortar. And you, yes. of of course, I made notes. I I read. I found chapters, interesting lines, and I made some notes. And of course, you touched on everything, even using some of the words such as concrete and mm. things of that nature. So I'm just gonna um, reemphasize what you've said, and then point to some some statements that are made in the book that people can read and reflect on because I know, you know, all of our minds at some point are going to go, no, you know, this tells me this is real. So I want to mm-hmm. begin with, um, you know, the, the reason I chose the tagline for the show, if, if you want to change your life, you must first change your mind. That's the whole premise is that, you know, when you change your thought systems and, and your your beliefs, whether they're conscious or unconscious, that is what shapes the world for you. Beliefs are the energetic material that shape your 3D world of form and experience. And I love how you said, I'm paraphrasing, but I scribbled it down, that you can only perceive the present through the past and that we're always in the present. So I want to take that a little deeper by stating that, you know, the argument here is, is the world real or not? Our five senses and our bodies tell us that it is because we can hear, see, touch, taste, smell, and our stomachs tell us that we're hungry. Our bodies tell us that we need rest. But while we do have a physical form, we have um, the skeletal system, muscles. We have a brain that we believe thinks, but above and beyond that brain are the soul and the spirit that are always connected to the form that we're inhabiting at the moment. But it is pure form it, it it is independent of the body and yet transmits through the body so i just want to say with respect to the five senses um they tell us that the world is real they they give us the data that we need to make decisions and form opinions but i want to go to what uh the course says in the lessons in the lesson in lesson 132 uh, I wanted to start with then you can lose it from all things you ever thought it was by merely changing all the thoughts that give it these appearances, talking about our projections and how our thoughts and our beliefs project onto this illusion, although there is like we were, you used the word concrete, the concrete evidence that we would argue is that the scientists say, no, here is an atom, here is this process of photosynthesis, this is how this works. And our scientific natures constantly break down the, quote, world we live in to discover how it works. How long has it been here? Who lived here? All, and, and try to answer those questions to the best of its ability. But we really have to take it back to the illusion that it's not... It, Yes, there's something there, but it really is a projection screen upon which we throw our hopes, our fears, our attachments, um, and our our beliefs. But what we forget is that our beliefs are just as powerful as the truth you mentioned earlier in your talk, but even false beliefs are just as powerful. And this is why people might be asking the question, but wait a minute, okay, that all sounds great, but how do I change the world or how do I change my life? And that is 
we have to go back and move beyond and get some distance from the illusion by not trusting the senses to tell us what to believe, but by correcting those beliefs. It also says in uh, Lesson 132, illusions are as strong in their effects as is truth. It says, for as you let the past be lifted and release the future from your ancient fears, you find escape and give it to the world. So what I'd like to add to that is, well, yes, the body itself, the physical body, is always, always in the present. However, the mind is so powerful, it has the ability to travel to the past and try to project into the future. And it does both out of fear because it tries to go into the past to prevent it from happening again and therefore creates more of it in the future. And as a practicing psychiatrist, you could probably explain that a lot better from a clinical standpoint. But from a spiritual standpoint, the mind has the ability to travel in the past and frequently does. And that's the goal of the course, to get us to retrain the mind not to do that and perceive through truth and not based on the reflections of the past, like you said, with the tree and my mom's face and that bully from school. That's the the mechanism of the ego that we trust, and that's the problem. We trust our perceptions. Don't trust your perceptions. Look beyond the illusion. Look beyond the instance. Whatever you've witnessed, whatever was said to you, however you felt, the emotions that come up from the body that are triggered by the words of another, reach beyond those illusions to get to the truth, and then you can escape from, quote, the world because you're looking beyond it. It says, you have enslaved the world with all your fears. You said earlier, we're at the mercy of this world, and indeed, it certainly seems that we are. However, the truth is that with all of our fears projected onto it, and you used the word death grip, we have a death grip on Mm -hmm. the world, and we dictate what will be reflected back to us by what we project onto that screen. Um... Your doubts and miseries, your pain and tears, and all your sorrows press on it and keep the world a prisoner to your beliefs. So if we loose ourselves, I like the way it says loose. It doesn't say lose. It's L-O-O-S-E. If we loose ourselves, if we distance ourselves from that ironclad perception of the ego and perceive it through the eyes of God, then we can realize how it says, there is no world apart from what you wish, and herein lies your ultimate release. Change by your mind on what you want to see, and all the world must change accordingly. Ideas leave not their source. And you mentioned how we're creations of God. We are creations of God, and we cannot be apart from him as, those, as his creations. But our perceptions and our experience of the world, those are our creations. Although they may be miscreations based on the Course's teachings, that based on misperceptions and ungu- you know, misguided beliefs, then we, when we miscreate, we create financial crises, we create tumultuous relationships. These are our miscreations, but they can't be far from us because they are ours. That is the law because we are God's creations. But when we correct those beliefs, this is how we change the world. When we release our fear of abandonment, then we no longer attract situations where we feel abandoned, whether that comes in the form of parents or family, romantic relationships, or being let go from a job. All of the things that reflect those core unconscious beliefs. Um, I also wanted to mention creation. A messy world does not share God's thoughts. And when we go when we go to look at the world and we think, oh, God created all this. No, this is not what God created. It says in the book, nothing can exist outside of God's love. So I'll will I will say there is something. But it's not nearly as concrete as we believe it to be, and it is more changeable, more malleable, because we have the power to do that with our thoughts, our emotions, our desires, and our beliefs. But you also mentioned reincarnation, which was funny because I made a note on that, and the way it says, when, when you read, he will return and go still farther or perhaps step back a while and then return again. In the back of my mind, I kept thinking, that sounds like reincarnation if you look at it two ways. Of course, yeah, I see thoughts. it that way, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you mentioned it. So I went, I said, let me go look and see what it says in the manual. And it's interesting because I certainly believe in reincarnation, but I don't depend, I don't depend on it for, certain, uh, for finding certain answers. If anything, I use it as a tool of release for something that might be tripping me up in the present. But it's funny how it says... Um, 
if it is used to strengthen the belief in reincarnation, and if it, if it is used to strengthen the recognition of the eternal nature of life, it is helpful indeed. There is always some good in any thought which strengthens the idea that life and the body are not the same. And that statement was key. Life is one thing. The body is different. We keep connecting the two, thinking they're so intertwined so that they can't be recognized for what they really are. Does that make sense? Absolutely, and that's a great point, yes. yes. And then to reiterate... God didn't create the body. God does did create life, although not in in any form, and we perceive form we live in a world of form god didn't create form but god did create life and he did give us free will and we are the ones who choose to come here to un unravel that scroll and, and take in whatever lessons we wanted to learn from soul level but it also says all that must be recognized however is that birth was not the beginning and death is not the end and that's what you alluded to earlier about there being no beginning and no end it is all infinite one. changeless you know yeah. um and i think the role of pride bob it, it mentions uh the role of pride here oh, yeah. i'm going to throw this back to you because it said pride is not it is not pride which tells you that you made the world you see that is not an egotistical statement and and, and that it changes as you change your mind but it is pride that argues that, that you have come into a world quite separate from yourself impervious to what you think and quite apart from what you chance to think it is. So let's talk about the role of pride for sure. just a moment. Go um, right ahead. For those, uh, you know, well-versed in, uh, you know, Christian theology, uh, pride, I believe, is the first of the seven deadly sins. Um, and, of course, as students of A Course in Miracles, we know that we are essentially sinless. But pride is that idea that... <clears throat> I would equate pride with specialness. I would equate pride with the sense that um, you as an individual being have something that no one else has. And therefore, what, what these two lines are saying is that to believe that the world is indeed an illusion that you, me, all of us, uh, I think when the Course says you, yes, it's talking to us at the personal level, but really it's addressing us at the level of the oneness of the sonship, you know, which is what fractured the world and uh, made, it made oneness unrecognizable. So it, it's not pride to, to say, wow, you know, I did this, and uh, therefore I can correct it. The source of the problem lies not outside um, because if I'm shuffling around in the outside world, I'm dealing with it at the level of the effect, not the cause. The mm -hmm. source lies within, as as you were saying, uh, change your mind to change your life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, twice in the course, it, it says, seek not to change the world, seek to change your mind about the world, mm -hmm. um, at the beginning of Chapter 21. So, um, you know, true pride would be, yeah, I'm a... I'm a son of God, I am son of God with all of my brothers, and I need to look on, you know, the mess that I made as a mistake, no guilt. The, the, purpose, the difference between a mistake and a sin, as the Course tells us, is a sin is a stain on your soul forever. A mistake can be undone, uh, mm -hmm. and you're sinless. Nothing can, be, uh, can stain your soul forever because God created you um, in such a way that that's not possible. Uh, so pride, and, and in other places the Course talks about this as arrogance, what is pride, what is arrogance, is to say, no, 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 I am separate from God, the world is real, I am the victim of the world, because the moment you do that, you're proclaiming yourself your own creator, and you're essentially saying that you are more real than God. But and again, as I said, I'm sorry, go ahead. And that's arrogance. Yes, that's arrogance, that's pride. Um, but remember, that is also the non-dual worldview of the materialist or, you know, the, or the scientist, the atheist, that comes from the perspective of, no, this is, you know, this is all there is. The problem with that view is that it has to go to great pains to explain and rule out phenomena that it really isn't able to do that. Um, you know, and so you 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 get statements 
like um, you know, near-death experiences where someone can describe something that was going on down the hall from where their body was in the uh, in the ER. Well, you know, that's just you know they heard it and they they were able to incorporate it. I mean, you know, some of the explanations seem so facile and ridiculous that of course they can't hold up. Um, so that's the problem with the materialist worldview is that it has to rule out miracles and things that don't fit nicely into its worldview in order mm-hmm. to convince itself that it's real. The moment we open up to the idea that, you know, as uh, the play, as Horatio, the character in Hamlet said, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Uh, the moment we open up to all those things that we don't understand we have to start to wake up. We have to broaden our sense of what the world is. We have to broaden our sense of what the self is. And that then takes us to the place of, of true pride of, wow, I'm not who I thought I was. Uh, And we begin to release all of those binding belief systems that we have all woven together since childhood uh, that say, this is how the world works. This is what keeps us safe. Um, You know, if I do X, then I get Y result because my daddy told me so, and that's the way we've done it in this family for generations. Mm. Um, A line from the course as you were talking about, you know, belief making the world and making reality, um, it says, you know, when you believe something, you have made it true for you. Now, this is what's key. This Mm -hmm. is why we each seem to inhabit our own, you know, sort of personal solipsistic world. Because if we believe it, it is true for us. You know, if you believe that terrorists are infiltrating your block or that immigrants are coming to steal your job, guess what? You have made that true for you. And your fear will allow you to see that in many, many places, uh, make judgments that aren't uh, open to correction, um, and basically continue to increasingly live in a world of fear dominated by an ego that says to control this, we have to attack. Because remember, as a body, you know, the ego wants you as to think that you're a body. And what do bodies do? Bodies attack. Mm-hmm. A mind can't attack. If we're one with everything, how do we attack it? You know, what's going to attack what? There's only oneness. Oneness can't attack itself. Oneness can't stand outside itself and go, ooh, look, you know, you're tall, short, fat, thin, rich, poor. Oneness is just one. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you recognize that that oneness is the oneness of love, then even more so, all oneness can do is love and give love. And in the act of giving love, oneness receives love because oneness can only bestow unto itself what it is. Right. And around and around it goes. Yes. But so, yeah, I like that you focused on that, that pride thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to go into that. And I also wanted to back what you just said up with um, a, sec- uh, a, a few sentences from Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, and and how we use, Great. like I said, the um, the five senses to tell us what is real or what is true. We, we, we can say, yes, we can identify, yes, the grass is green, the tree, is, the, the tree bark is brown. We can identify, and those things are, in fact, correct for many of us. But in determining what is true, it says in Section 5, the alternate to dreams of fear, for eyes and ears are senses without sense, and what they see and hear they but report. It is not they that hear and see, but you, who put together every jagged piece, each senseless scrap and shred of evidence, and make a witness to the world you want. Let not the body's ears and eyes perceive these countless fragments seen within the gap that you imagined, and let them persuade their maker that his imaginings are real. And it's funny that you mentioned earlier the word hero, because I also found <laughs> in, sec- in chapter 27, The Healing of the Dream, section 8, the hero of the, dream. Hero of the dream. It states simply, the body is the central figure in the dreaming of the world. There is no dream without it, nor does it exist without the dream, in which it acts as if it were a person to be seen and be believed. So, it all weaves in together, like it usually does with us, but the, yes, it does. the most important thing is that, you know, whether you use A Course in Miracles, whatever uh, holy book you want to use to to try to get yourself distanced from the illusion so that you can look beyond it, um, it, it doesn't matter. We need to believe that there's something bigger than us, that we are not all, all great and power. We are not Oz. 
because he turned out to be an illusion too. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, you know, the ego wants to be Oz, the great and powerful, because in reality, um, it's not even the fumbling old man behind the curtain. Uh, the ego is nothing. So how does nothingness ever prove to the part of you that is real that it is something? Well, through a body, through keeping you in fear, um, you know, but uh, once we have the experience of that which is beyond the body, um, you really can't ever go back. I mean, I, I, I just thought I wanted to um, earlier reference, you know, this is lesson 132, and a lot of times there are sequences within the workbook uh, and the text where it'll sort of drift a little and it'll come back and um, lessons uh, 128, 129, and 130 are the world I see holds nothing that I want. Beyond this world, there is a world I want, and it is impossible to see two worlds. That's very relevant to this idea that there is no world. You know, okay, so the world I see holds nothing that I want. It does. That doesn't go quite to the point of saying the world is, is, is not real, and I haven't looked at the lessons, so maybe it even does say that. Beyond this world, there is a world I want. That might lead some people to say, aha, you see, the world is real. Um, we just have to remove, uh, you know, what the ego puts on it. But here's the catch. When you remove what the ego puts on the world, there is no more world there. There is no more perception. There's a brief flash of what the, the Course calls the real world, which maybe we live in it for a few years or maybe just a few seconds. It really doesn't matter before we, we finally you know, go home. Um, so the world beyond the world we want is not a world of perception. Um, you know, it, it, it's a world of oneness, of joining, of recognition. Uh, uh, and then Lesson 130, which is one of my personal favorites along with 132, it is impossible to see two worlds, and that's the key. If you are looking at this world of form, no, you will not be able to see the world beyond the world of form. It won't exist. Mm -hmm. The form will block it. And mm -hmm. therefore, if you elevate form to some sense of holiness, um, you're going to lose sight of that. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you recognize the source of love within you and that that is all that's real, then wherever you look within the world of form, you're perceiving love and holiness, not because it's out there or because God made it out there, but because that's the only reality, it's you. And, and now, instead of projecting this world of form that's indomitable and, and opaque and impenetrable, you're literally seeing through the illusion. Yeah. When I had um, you know, my experience of, of, of mystical revelation and came back from it, and I do describe this in From Plagues to Miracles, it was so clear that, uh, that bodies were just these diaphanous forms with nothing in them. I mean, it was hard to look at someone and not laugh or cry. Um, mm -hmm. There was so little reality there. And I can say, you know, from my own journey, at this point, yeah, you know, I've got a body, it gets hungry, it, it sees things and feels, but it feels more like just the monopoly piece that I move around the board or the, the piece in the game of life uh, mm -hmm. to use um, the metaphor of a, a wonderful course teacher, um, you know, Dana, Dr. Dana Joe Morocco, who, who I think has uh, her Game of Life uh, skit up on YouTube at this point. Um, but we're, we're, we're just the piece on the board, play the game. But if we think the game is about getting or accumulating or, or somehow making the, the, the game the reality, well, now we've gotten lost within the game. Uh -huh. You know, the only purpose of the game is to realize, ooh, it's not a fun game. Uh, it's, a, it's a trap. It's a prison. It's an illusion. Let's, let's get out of here and get back to reality, which is life. Right. But I want to I wanna say, you know, what you said about um, – I, I just wanted to say it in the most simplest way possible. And what we're, what we're saying here, ladies and gentlemen, is that you can't believe one thing about the world and hope to see another. Yes. That's why you can't see two worlds. You can't believe one thing and hope to see another. You can't put on a pair of sunglasses and think you're going to change anything. It's all internal. Yes. And um, I, I wanted to say that um, – I forget now. But that was basically it. You, you can't believe one thing and and hope to experience yeah. another. You have to change the core beliefs 
that shape your perceptions. You're not changing the world. You're just changing your perceptions. Well, it goes back to that, you know, ideas leave not their source. You know, your belief is your idea, and it won't leave the source of your mind. If you believe it, then indeed it's it's going to be real for you. Um, and you will flounder around and, you know, joust and struggle and wrestle with that belief or make love to it and walk around with it or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You're going to be lost in that belief trap uh, until you recognize its sources in your head, uh, mm-hmm. or, so to speak, is is in mind because ideas don't leave their source. So let's change the idea. But in that sense, the only thing we can really do in changing the idea is to recognize it for its falseness as being a mistake, as being a projection, uh, literally in the sense of watching a movie that's projected out onto this you know blank screen that there's nothing there. And when we reown the projection and say, yeah, okay, did that, uh, don't want to do that anymore, now we make space for the, the real vision to come forward that sees not a world of bodies and form, but sees the light, the love um, behind the, the body and the form that, that is our, you know, the first hint, the first twinkling of our true reality. And I'm sure we could go on on this topic. Why don't, maybe we'll pick it up again next segment. And, yeah, let's and see where other. it goes. Okay. Yeah, let's see. But okay. I think we did uh, we did a, a a pretty good job of uh, you know surveying the territory at the very least. And I, I thank all listeners, um, you know, present and uh, future, recognizing it's all the now. And if whenever you're listening, you're listening. And in, in, in following along and and contending with you know what truly is I think one of the more difficult concepts and and one of the greater obstacles to really taking on what a course in miracles is trying to you know help us learn. Mm. Just remember, folks, that you know it's very important. Be here now. Be in the present. Yeah. You know, that, that feeling you describe where, you know, you just feel different and you see the world in a different way. When I'm in that space, I know I'm grounded. When I feel overly overly connected and mired in the world, that's when I know I'm stuck. And that's when I, I know I need to get grounded to go back to that pure vision that I am just a piece in the game. And yeah. and just I'm just using this body and this personality. I'm just using this to affect you know the the creations that I want to manifest, but don't forget that fear can manifest things as well. This is the tricky dance. But continue listening to the show, and and learning as much as you can about it. Um, anything else before we move on to the prayer? Um, no, I think that feels complete. Yeah, I, yeah, that was good. Thank you. Yeah, thank Terrific. you. Terrific. Okay, the prayer for today is from Choose Once Again. Selections from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. And it is on page six, and it's interesting how it ties in. So, okay, so I'm going to go to the prayer, and Dr. Bob, I will be talking to you next month. All right, Char. I look forward to it. Okay, here we go. Let us be still an instant and forget all things we ever learned, all things we had, and every preconception that we hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. Let us remember not our own ideas of what the world is for. We do not know. Let every image held of everyone be loosened from our minds and swept away. Be innocent of judgment, unaware of any thoughts of evil or of good that ever crossed your mind of anyone. Now do you know him not, but you are free to learn of him and learn of him anew. Now is he born again to you, and you are born again to him without the past, that sentenced him to die, and you with him. Now is he free to live as you are free, because an ancient learning passed away and left a place for truth to be reborn. Amen. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.